Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everybody? Hope you guys are having a great pod. Let's get started uh, with this quarter spaces. Um, hope everything's good. Going to wait for a couple people to join uh, the Twitter space uh, here. But yeah, man, how's the, first of all, how, how's the holidays treating you, brother? Good, man. Holding it down in Colombia. You know, just chilling. I saw you. I got to ask you. I saw you with a picture with uh, Chicho and stuff. Tell, <laughs> tell, tell runners, buy that quick story. Cause I, I know you got a touch that looked like there was like a in, in Spanish or in Mexico we call them cascaritas. I don't know what you guys call them in uh, Colombia, but tell tell start off with that story and why you were there, how that happened, and, and running into Chicho. Yeah, I mean it's um it's something that they do here in Colombia. Usually in December, a lot of the players come back. Obviously, uh, people that are from here, and um, they just you know they're always around a lot of the other players that that are in different countries and stuff like that. So. They put on an event. It's, it's really kind of just like a little scrimmage. Uh, I don't want to say it's a charity because like it's, it's not it's not you know charged and all like that. People just go show up and whatnot. But yeah, it's a game between um, basically older players that kind of re- basically mostly retired, and then uh, and then some f- players that are still you know still playing. So it was pretty cool because there was a lot of people there. They do it in a in a barrio, which is like a little traditional hood over here, and then uh, people would just show up and. Kind of just do it to, to kind of spread some Christmas joy, I guess, some holiday joy. I don't know. It was cool, though, man. It was a good time. That's awesome, man. And then so it was just, it was just, ha- does that happen, like you said, every year, every now and then? Yeah, they usually do it every year around December because most of the people are back um, on holiday break or whatnot. So they usually do it around then. And, you know, it's, just, it's pretty light. It's nothing crazy. Like I said, there's some players that are still playing. So um, it's, uh, it's low key, but it's just like a cool little thing that they do for the community and whatnot, just to get people together. Yeah, that's that's sick, man. Well, yeah, obviously we de- we definitely got to talk about uh, obviously the big news today. I know you and I have been talking about this, like, and you even said it. You know, the longer it went on, we would assume that you know it'd be Sharon, uh, Steve Sharondolo or you know Ante Razov. Obviously, we know it's Steve Sharondolo now. The news I expected a head coaching, you know, here on January. What is it, January third today? Uh, so a lot of a lot of things uh, that happened, and I was I was I was not surprised that it was El Sharundalo because of of how long it, it took in the process and everything like that. But I also just feel kind of like some of the timing and everything it, it probably could have been a lot quicker and stuff. You know, uh, as we spoke before, like in the off season or during the season, we, we know like you know Bob Bradley essentially wasn't wasn't working out. Uh, but what what were your new what were your thoughts on on this finally being official here on January third? Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too surprised. I mean, obviously, I think we we went through the candidates a while back and we kind of talked through all of that. But um, the timing was was really what we were kind of just talking about the most. It's like when we recorded the last one, the last podcast was like around mid December. So from what that's like around three four three weeks about 
to the time to today. So, I mean, it was it was good that the turn of the new year brought that news because they really couldn't really waste too much time, um, any more time, rather, considering that things are going to be starting up quick in MLS. Obviously, preseason's coming up. Uh, I actually spoke to Chicho when, I, uh, when we took that picture, and he told me that he'll be back. Um, he'll be leaving to LA the 6th, so. Uh, I'm sure every most of the players that are you know on vacation are getting back around that time. So it was it was the perfect time to announce it. They couldn't wait any longer, like I said, and it's not too surprising that that that's who it was um, in terms of of candidates and whatever was reported throughout the process. Um, you know, I said the longer it takes, the more we would think that it would be somebody like Shrandalo or somebody like Razov. So um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of of the hire, I don't know if you want to jump into that right away or not, but. Um, in terms of the hire, it was I think uh, it's it's pretty good for for LAFC because it's hard to fill a fill shoes like Bob Bradley's right, and you come in with a coach, you know, your first coach is somebody that's a legend that's well known all over the world. Really, has had you know has a pedigree not only in in US soccer but obviously in MLS having the experience and the the you know the the success that he's had there. I think for Sharondalo, it's it's a little bit of the opposite, right? Like he has the success. And he has the the pedigree of being a, a U.S. men's national team player for so long and being so revered and actually playing under Bob Bradley, which is pretty ironic. Um, to me, at least, it's pretty funny. But then he doesn't have that MLS experience, right? He has the experience from being in Germany and having all these other things. And then, then obviously, most recently, USL. So um, it'll, be, it'll be a challenge. But I think in terms of notoriety, I think maybe having somebody that's, that's um, of that stature opposed to maybe somebody like the names that were floated around that were not um, American-based coaches. Uh, I think that'll bode, with, bode better for LAFC because I think had they brought in somebody like just to say Juan Carlos Osorio, which was one of the names that was floated around, um, and then he has no success early on, then I think that would have made pressure a lot more difficult um, on LAFC. So I think o- overall it's not it's not a terrible hire. I don't think it's uh, – I think the timing like we talked about is it's what's really going to – what's really uh, on LAFC fans' mind and things like that. But overall, I think, I think you know, it's a pretty good move for LAFC. Yeah, I think to me, there's a quite, quite a bit of things because it's um, the first thing I, I think about with Sharondalo, it's like high risk, high reward. Uh, that, that's what I see with him. It's high risk, high reward. Uh, I was reading the article, you know, Jeff Carlisle, he wrote about Steve Sharondalo. You know, I'm just going to paraphrase here. There's certain things that, you know, John Thornton, who obviously, you know, he's a GM and the VP, He's known Chirondo since he was 19. So they have, like, a relationship there and all that. But the thing that kind of struck me, like, I mean, you know him since he was 19. Um, why wasn't this hire sooner? Even if you didn't if you didn't want to let go Bob Bradley go or anything like that, like, right after the season, why not hire them right then and there? Because he has to build, start building the team and not essentially wasting any time on – the coach uh, on you know on searching for a coach for over a, over a month, uh, so that's that's one of the quick things that goes to my head. You know, obviously there's a relationship there. Um, another thing too, it's like he's never coached, right? And obviously the the article goes on to say that the he his well the record was six twenty three and three. Obviously, you know I didn't really watch the Las Vegas Knights, uh, Las Vegas Lights, but it, I was never intrigued. You know, obviously they weren't winning as much, and I was more focused uh, on the first team. Um, but the quote that came out of there was like, uh, he it says right here in quotes, his player, uh, uh, Steve Shrondel's job at Las Vegas Lights role, uh, was in quotes, player development, not results. Um, so his job there was just to develop players and stuff and not view the results. 
that to me is kind of rather interesting because obviously you're hiring someone that's only developed players. You're not hiring someone that like, hey, this coach from, you know, Colombia or Juan Carlos Osorio or Turco or, or, you know what I'm saying, like, or Jesse Marsh, like these guys have had success, have had results and all that, those different things. So you're, that's why I see it so high risk and high reward because you're bringing someone that's only developed players. Um, obviously, LAFC, I just don't see them as developing, play, developing players. I don't know if that's the path they're going to go. I highly doubt that. But when you have someone that's only player development, like, you know, that's where I see more of the risk. Okay, yeah, maybe he can de- he's developed Mamadou Fall. He's developed a couple of players. You know, Bryce Duke went down there, Danny Masovsky. Um, But I, I wouldn't put Danny Masovsky because he, he had proven before that. But, you know, a couple of players went down there. Um, But I think when you're in the first team, you want to be results-oriented, right? So it's like, obviously, his coaching strategy and everything is going to have to change because there's more pre- – I feel like there's a lot more pressure. Um, and it's more on the pressure on the front office because of what, how this process went. And we can clearly see now it, it, it's pretty clear to me that they weren't prepared for Bob Bradley to leave, like at all. They like, they weren't prepared about it because, you know, you could have had a couple coaches and also it tells me that like, maybe the pitch to these head coaches was maybe not good, but it, it was, I don't want to say it was not good, but it was maybe not as, um, as interesting uh, to come coach LAFC, to come be in Los Angeles, come coach Carlos Vela, because I feel like more of those international coaches was more of a risk for them coming turn, trying to turn things around in that tight window, um, move your family and all these different things. And, you know, and, and it's like, do you really want to do this in a World Cup year too? Which adds another another element to the, to the conversation. So I, I just feel like all that kind of, when the co- head coaching search, I don't think that was taken into account. And I think that's why you end up with uh, Steve Shirondolo, who is obviously we are we you know he's not the first option. I'm assuming he was the final option or the backup option, whatever you want to call it, you know. So now it's up to Steve, uh, you know, Steve Shirondolo to step up and do it. So I mean, I, I think Steve Shirondolo can come in and have success and all that, but I think it, it's it's really risky. We have to see how he does. The good thing is he knows the players. He knows how they run certain things. And he's also going to have a chip on his shoulder because he wasn't the first option, their first clear option, you know. Uh, he knows he was not, he was, you know, one of the final options. So I definitely think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. But I, I definitely feel like LAFC fans are going to want results this year. It's not like, you know, like next year or whatever. But one thing, I don't know if you saw this, Andy, but like they didn't mention how many years. Maybe we'll get that on Wednesday because I think there's, there's a press call on Wednesday. But the, it wasn't clear how many years Steve Sharondolo is going to get as a head coach because that really tells you um, how much belief is into a coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know, Sharon is going to be the guy. He's going to be here for three years, four years. Bob Bob Bradley got, you know, four years, and, you know, and you can really build around. So I'm very interested to see how long uh, his contract is with LFC because I think that's very important and where the where, where LFC is going. But, like, if it doesn't work out, you know, and you're committed to him for three years or four years, you're going to have them on the book. So I think that, you know, that goes into play. But what what are your thoughts on, on you know, the length of time? I, I, if you were up to it, what, what, would you, what would you think would be something reasonable for, for Steve Sharondolo? Yeah, I agree. I think it has to be somewhere in the three to four-year range, the same way that Bob's was. Because, like you're saying, LA, this, is, this is, you know, LAFC coming into probably the most pressure situation season that they've had ever. And that's even more so than the first year they existed. Because, you know, for expansion clubs, it's kind of tough to set a bar when you don't know anything about the club, right? And I think by all expectations, they exceeded those. 
really every year besides these last two years. So obviously LAFC fans are going to be eager to, to want results and, and want this automatic success. And I think that the way that Thorington has talked about things uh, throughout the search, throughout all of these, uh, you know, selling players and, and sending players elsewhere, the way he's talked about it is, you know, it's not going to be a rebuild. So if they come out and play like it's a rebuild, that's 100% not going to fly with anybody. So they have to they have to kind of try to, like, straddle this fine line of, like, yeah, we are changing pieces. We are a new-look team, but we can't just we can't just put things and say, hey, this is going to be, uh, you know, from the ground up. Let's start new because, you know, with a player like Carlos Vela still around for the time being, with certain players that are still there – that's not going to be that's not going to fly for them either and i think you you mentioned the, uh, a smart point about the um the player development aspect of Shrindelo's, um i guess resume is that's all great for you know younger players but that's not that's not exactly what lafc um is is going to be necessarily looking for when you have a player like vela when you have a player like brian rodriguez who's eyeing a europe move when you have these kind of guys like that's that's good for you know those younger guys but this is going to be a situation where he he needs to hit the ground running. But yeah, I think those those three to four years gives him enough time. I don't even know if we will know because I can't remember. I don't even think they announced Bob's until we kind of found out later on. But either way, yeah, the press call is Wednesday. I'm I'm sure he we'll get a little bit more information. I'm just more interested in in the behind the scenes. And you kind of mentioned it about all of these names that were floated around. What was that process like, right? Because we know that Shrundalo is Ben JT's guy, and we know that you know that he's been in the organization and. I'm interested in, like, if this is something that was floated floated at him, you know, before, because JT said they had a long list of coaches, this thing and the other thing, and, you know, for, for them to take that long and then end up with a guy that was already an internal candidate is, is definitely question, uh, you know, raises some questions. And I think they're accurate enough to ask and be like, hey, like, what was, what was the interest, you know, from the beginning? Was it something that when you went to, when you took the Las Vegas gig, like, was it something that was feasible then that you were kind of talking about then or... Was this a, a, a post Bob Bradley thing? Because, like we said prior, many times, like if they weren't prepared for for Bob to to walk, then that's which it kind of seems that way at this point. Um, that's you know that's obviously all in the front office. And once again, throughout the season, we always talked about the the dynamic of Bob. It, you know, placed more blame on Bob, placed more blame on JT, and you know, obviously the coach is going to get the brunt of that situation. But at the end of the day, you know, this is a this is a clean slate. And in that aspect, and, and now things are starting to look a lot more uh, questionable on the John Thornton front, which which is not going to surprise a lot of the fans that, you know, necessarily have had these questions from the from the beginning and whatnot. But, um, you know, it's going to raise a lot of questions in, in general. And I think that them uh, bringing him in and I guess taking the time in this process, you know, they wanted to give it a due, you know, a due process, whatever they call it, is all fine and good. But. Once again, you said it. It's it's about the results, and this team can't come into the season and get off to a slow start and say, "Oh well, we're just going to try to, you know, make it to that transfer window in the summer and then kind of try to reassess things there." Because we all know that the MLS playoff system is very, very odd, and mostly everybody gets in. And with everybody always saying that LAFC still failed to get in last season, and that's the bottom line. So at the end of the day, um, this is going to be a result-driven team. This is going to be a fan base that is not going to be quiet if things start going south quickly. I think that there's going to be a lot less patience than there has been. And like you said, maybe that will give Shrandalo a chip knowing that he's coming into a situation like that. But at the end of the day, that's a super high-pressure situation to work in. When you have a roster, to me, that's still very unsure. And I'm sure within the next month, we'll find out a lot more about what it's going to look like. But um, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done. And um, 
it's, it's it's pressure on everybody, not just to run the lowest pressure on JT, which I'm sure he feels, and pressure on the players to to figure out what what that looks like moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Yeah, our, our pressure is definitely uh, on John Thornton, uh, especially uh, how uh, the head coaching and everything kind of played out, uh, how the optics look for him. But you know, um, one thing I know you had mentioned, um, I think I read on the article as well. Uh, you know, the conversation was with Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela obviously was aware of Steve Sherundolo. He essentially, from what I understood from the article, they, uh, he gave his blessing, gave the okay. Uh, but Carlos Vela is only here till June as of right now, right? So to me, it's like, and also the the season that Carlos Vela had last season, is, you know, it's like, you know, there was a lot of question how, how much he was committed to the team and all that. So to me, it's like, Carlos Vela giving the okay. It's like, yes, you want to get the your best player's blessing, but at the same time, He's only here till June, right? So it's like, how much does that really mean? I guess we'll see if they extend his contract, they bring him back and everything. But I think to me right now, Carlos Vela putting his blessing on this, which you essentially had to get. Um, it's not that big. It's not that big like, oh, okay, yeah, Carlos Vela believes in it, believes in Sharando. It's just like, okay, we we went down the, you know, the path of, you know, talking to Vela, which, you know, you have to do and stuff. And, you know, hey, do you see Sharando being a guy? Yes, whatever. You had those conversations. But I also just think, like, I don't know if Carlos Vela is going to be here past June. You know, we saw Rossi. His mind was already in Europe. Eduardo Tuesta, uh, he's already gone in Brazil. You know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, you have talent there. There's pieces there. But, you, you know, you also you, you just also letting go. You let go of some, um, of, right, like Diego Rossi, uh, Tuesta. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that need to be added. Uh, who's going to replace a Tuesta? When is Rossi going to be sold? I think that's a really big question for for the, this uh, transfer window. Um, if tra- if Rossi's able to be sold, that that's going to make things easier for LAFC. You know, you potentially get a replacement for a Tuesta in the midfield or somewhere like that. You still need to identify a goalkeeper, you know, all these things. So that we're going to see how Sharondolo uh, and John Thornton are going to handle those things. But I also think like there's there's a lot uh, a lot of questions about this team, uh, and you know there's a lot of questions about Sharondalo how he's going to be able to guide these players. What happens if you know they fall into a, a rut that they were last season, right? You cannot, like you said, they cannot start off slow. This team has to start off uh, strong, fast, and look like a mature team because they didn't look like a mature team last season. You know, we still got Chicho, you still got Brian Rodriguez. I don't feel like there's questions up at the front. Obviously, the midfield. The defense, all, all that thing. So, I think you do have to give. Uh, you have to be open minded to give Sharondalo uh, a shot. You know, g- give him his, his time. But like, I think it's going to be a very short run if Sharondalo doesn't do good. You know, um, and you can't necessarily blame him necessarily. It'd be more uh, on the front office if it doesn't work out. Look, if Sharondalo does great and he's able to, you know, connect with these players and get them playing and you know get these wins from the start of the season, obviously make the playoffs and all that different things. Then, then it's great. But I think to me, like, it's it's going to be a tough first year. You know, they didn't make the playoffs last season. You know, we even see across town with Greg Vanny, he didn't even make the playoffs. And we, we talk about like, you know, everybody essentially has a great shot at making the playoffs. So. You know, what if LFC doesn't make the playoffs again this season? That's why I feel like where the pressure would be. Like, oh, yeah, you, you could say it's a Sharondo's first season. But as a club, you're you're on a fifth year with Carlos Vela. You have Chicho Arango. Like, there's pieces there, you know. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of those questions. Well, maybe you had, then the conversations will open up again. Well, maybe if you had a more of a veteran coach or this or that, you know what I'm saying? But 
I, I'm just I'm just curious to see how this team will do this season and how much of the patience fans will really have because you know it's not that that you they're not getting that transparency and some of the decisions uh, have taken a little bit longer and I think with that and it's and I think with that's like how much are are, are fans really gonna want to like support this club when you know JT is making some of these decisions and not bringing the right players I think. You know, he had talked about uh, bringing more MLS players. I think that's what you need to do when you, when you when you're building this team because it's like, what are what are the goals this year, right? Like for LAFC, everybody wants to win MLS Cup, right? Everyone wants to do that. But do we really see uh, LAFC having a shot at the MLS Cup in 2022? It's 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 far right now, unless you're one of those people in Vegas that that has them as favorites, you know. I don't know if I would trust those guys right now because, you know, that doesn't seem like a likely uh, outcome in 2022, but anything can happen. But I just feel like there's so much pressure on LASC with 2022. Look, if you didn't have Carlos Vela, if you didn't have Chicho, I don't think that that pressure would be on if you rebuild it. But if, if you're not able to make the playoffs, you know, I just really feel like so much of that pressure is going to be on Sharon Delo, on JT and stuff. But I, I just tell everybody, keep an open mind. Give Shiro and the Law a shot. I don't know how much that means to LAFC fans. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a day. But let the man let the man do his job and give him a shot. That's all I'm going to say about that. Andy, you have any comments on that? Well, yeah, I think, I think you know, it's a good point. And for, for me, it's it's obviously stating the, it's stating the obvious here. But LAFC was so close to that mountaintop in 2019. And I think that the, the feeling of pressure is that they feel that they're so far from from the from that situation that they were in now and it's because you know the changes and, and you, you know you're not going to be able to keep that same roster you're not going to be able to keep the same players but there's been so much movement and for the most part none of it has seemed to be for the better right and I think we've talked about that so much when it comes to the, the goalkeeping situation when it comes to the Walker Zimmerman Mark Anthony K whatever you could go down the list but it doesn't matter at the end of the day it seems like they they, re, they have reverted and taken steps back and I think that them having you know a bad start or a bad season this way is is an even bigger step back than what these past few years have been because at least these past few years, it was still some of that same core. It was still Bob Bradley. It was, you know, it was wearing thin, but at the same time, it was still something that's familiar. This is uh, unfamiliar territory, and I think that any downfall for this team is is going gonna, is gonna to start from, from the front office. And, you know, you can't say they have another, you know, two seasons that they have. They're terrible. Maybe they make the playoffs this year, and then the next two, they're bad. You can't go through the same cycle and say, oh, well, you know, bad coach, let's get another one. That's when you start looking at John Thornton a lot more closely than I think has been the case so far. So I think for that, for sure, that that adds the pressure because, you know, they, they have they had that taste of the supporter shield and, and getting so close to MLS Cup and, you know, setting the records and having an MVP, Golden Boot, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, and I wrote this in, in, in my story for, the for you know, for my last LAC story of the year, like, it's time. It was the same way it was time to start thinking about life after Bradley. It's the same way it's time to start thinking about life after Carlos Vela. And I think that those comments that Thornton made in, in Carlisle's story is, is you know, it's kind of, it's, I think it's eye-opening because it seems like, you know, they're still 100% banking on, you know, let's, let's try to get him another deal that's maybe a few years. And I've been saying this, I think, for the past year and a half now. I don't think that trying to keep Carlos Vela for long term is, is the best idea for LAFC. People can have different opinions on that. Um, which is fine, but from what he's shown us the past two years, I think that you know it's 100% feasible and time to be thinking about what comes after him. Um, and I think you know it's fair for him to also think about that too. And I think looking at the past, let's just say 
year with the players that have left when it comes to, let's say, now even add Tristan Blackman to the list, uh, Mark Anthony Kay, obviously now Pablo Cisniega, uh, people that have been around for a little bit, I think that, you know, and we talked about it a lot this season uh, about having having that idea of like, yo, we have this core, let's let's try to win. And, and it, it broke up fast. It broke up really, really quickly. And this was a year that I had, I think, the highest expectations this past season and clearly was, you know, the lowest outcome for them. So I think that um, that Vela could actually be on that same boat, right? And we talked about it, him being like, yo, this is not the situation that I, I foresaw myself being in when I, you know, became the first signee to this team and the situation that we were in after winning the, the, you know, the supporter shield and all that in 2019. And he could easily be like, you know what? Cool. It's been, it's been real. But then that leads me back to the comments that JT said. And it's like, well, he's talking to Sharundalo and, you know, we're, we're thinking about like, what are your plans with Vela? And it's like, mm, I don't know, man. Like it could, it could, it could be, you know, let's talk, let's think about what are we doing after him and, and kind of be like, yo, all right, man. But when he's healthy, he's healthy, and and we know what he could bring, and he's and he's solid. But I'll keep beating that dead horse. Like we haven't seen that in a long time, and for people to think that he's just going to get back to that level and be able to do it consistently throughout a you know a, a important season, I guess let's say the most important season in LAC history. Now, if we want to be prisoners of the moment, um, that's 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 I think that's far fetched. I think that he's just going to be able to be a hundred percent and give it his all. You know, give us twenty nineteen back again. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying it's, it, I see it. You know very far-fetched so um that's a big that's a big play and we talked about Vela being a big factor in the coaching decision and um I think that it's it's twofold the way that the coach is able to perform uh, obviously has a lot to do with Vela and vice versa so that's that's going to be to me the most interesting thing to watch those first few months and then as that uh that summer date approaches for them trying to figure out you know what, what the rest of the season looks like I, I'm with you. I would I would agree on that. I think this season, but I, what I would say is this season is is because uh, he only has what six months till June, five months, whatever. If you don't want to call uh, count uh, uh, January, but yeah, Carlos Vela. I don't, I just don't think it, it, you you're gonna build. I don't I don't think it's smart to build your future off of him because of. I don't know. We didn't see like we know he's talented. I look. I, I like how Carlos Vela plays and everything, but I think one of his weaknesses is, is his leadership. You know, we saw when things got tough for LAFC. You know, he he wasn't there. He wasn't the, he wasn't the the superstar everybody from LFC expected him to be. You know, at least you know voicing something. You know, he had the supporters back and all these different things. So the good thing you have Chicho, but I just I'm with you. If, if Vela doesn't do uh, at least somewhat to what he did in 2019. Uh, I just I, I think it's be, it's gonna be very hard uh, to see that you really want to build around Carlos Vela, paying him whatever, if, even if he took a, a pay cut th- th- this year. But is he? You know, those questions gonna be: uh, Is Carlos Vela gonna be really worth a DP spot that we want to build our team in the future? And is you know you're also gonna be able to tell if is Vela committed to the team or not? You know, is he is he already thinking about his life after football? You know, after soccer, is he is he already moving on to that phase? Because I think. Those questions are fair because of what we saw from him when LAFC was struggling, and he wasn't really there. He wasn't showing up to the big games. He wasn't there. Uh, you know, he wasn't at the important important games. You know, he was obviously with his family and doing all those different things. But I, I just think I'm with you on that. It's very tricky to try to build, uh, uh, continue to build uh, on Carlos Vela because that's also I feel like. You know, if you and I can kind of see that, like, hey, Carlos Vela may be, you know, maybe hanging by a thread. 
you know, come, you know, June, Carlos Vela may be gone. He may be going to another club and stuff like that. So try to try to build your team around Vela. I'm not sure that's the right decision, but I, and I'm, and I'm with you. It's also twofold on how Toronto um, does, you know, if Toronto does well, then yeah, like, okay, Carlos Vela has goals, you know, uh, Chicho, he's assistant Chicho or whatever, him and Chicho have a great connection, then it, then it's exciting. But if Sharondolo and LAC don't do well, Carlos Vela is getting injured again, then it's like, why, why are we continuing to build off of Carlos Vela? Why is he, is he being our centerpiece? Why are we paying him this much money? You know, I think it's going to be very easy to see, you know, come May. Obviously, I think April, May, hey, do you really want to keep Carlos Vela after June? Does Vela want to stay? Yes, cool, stay. No, then it's, it's time to move on. But I'm with you. They should be looking at options right now, right? just in case it doesn't work out. And if it does work out with Carlos Vela, okay, you know, at least at least you prepped for a potential uh, Carlos Vela leaving in June. But you can't do the same thing you did with the head coach. Like you knew Bob, you I, you had to know that Bob Bradley potentially wasn't going to come back, even if you wanted him to come back. And if the front office is isn't able to see that see that down the line see uh, like five step uh, steps ahead and then playing catch up like man it, that that that's just i think that's just a very uh, in, uh, a tough position to be in because you're going to lose trust um within the fans if you can't see some of these decisions right so i think an- another thing that i that i think about with the Sharondola hiring they want to do this player development and all these different things right they want to have um LAFC2 or whatever whatever you want to call it right there there's going to be a second team Who's going to take over for the second team? Who's who are there? Is the Las Vegas Lights still going to be part of this? I don't remember if the Lights still was. I think it was a one year. Are they going to do this one more year? I know Lights are Las Vegas is potentially getting an MLS team. So how is that player development going to work? Who's going to be Sharondolo's, uh, you know, backup uh, or uh, head coach replacement or whatever, you know? And are you just looking at player development there? I guess you, I guess you can say that, but like, how is the path to get to the first team? You know, is going to look. Um, what are what are your thoughts on that, Andy? Yeah, I think that Sharondolo's background it, it's uh, it's very like we mentioned based on that development. I think in in, the, in those terms, it's very important for LAFC Academy and MLS Next and things like that 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 are part of the system. But it's right, like this year, this past season, the. The Vegas relation was was so weird because it was like, I mean, just the way that it functioned and the, the players, you know, day of announcements and having to travel to to Vegas on a bus and things like that. Like, I know that there's so many uh, there's so many different factors, and and I guess that's why that record in in Vegas was not good because maybe they just weren't focused on that. They were really just focused on, hey, we just got we're just trying to build this team. You know, we're not we're not made to to come in and, and take USL by storm. But at the end of the day though, it's a relation that, that they, they want LAFC wants. Right. And they, and they want that it to benefit them. But I can't say that it was great last year that they saw really any, you know, huge improvement. Like we mentioned Mama Dufal and, and, and maybe Bryce Duke, but I can't say that it's something that, um, that was, I mean, great for the team, for the, for the LAFC. And that could be in part because of, of, you know, Bob Bradley and the way that he, he runs things. But, you're right. You know, you're. All right, what are you focusing on? And if you're if you're gonna come in and say two months into the season, oh well, you know, Shrondolo's gonna start tinkering with these young kids and try to see like that's not gonna fly. You know, when the time to do that was that was last season, and we mentioned it all throughout the year. The reason I don't want to say it's the sole reason, but a lot of the a lot of the um, the injuries and stuff that you see pile on is because we mentioned of Bob Bradley's aggressive style of play, and and he had his people, and 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 I think that in the season that uh, that played out the way it did last season. 
um, with the struggles and the injuries and things like that, that was a time for LAFC to to really try to mess around with different pieces and see what they had. And they tried. They they didn't do much of it, but they did a little bit of it. And at the end of the day, now um, you're, you're stuck with, with this group that you have, right? And and I don't think that next year is, is really going to be like, okay, yeah, let's try this out again. I mean, I'm sure Sean will have his ideologies about who he wants to try to give more minutes to and whatnot. But we like we keep mentioning, this is a, this high-pressure situation. This is a result. Um, it's going to be a result-based outcome for, for, you know, this team and for what happens in the future. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that relationship looks like. I know that, uh, that the lights will be a thing next year for sure. Um, I don't know, you know, what that looks like moving forward for LAFC, who's coaching, what the relationship is like. But it's very interesting that um, the way that it played out this season and then uh, given this fact that now it's going to be Shredder running LAFC, it's uh, it, it, le- it leaves a little bit of curiosity in some of those aspects that I guess we won't be able to have answers to until we kind of see how the season plays out. But, um, yeah, that's not – I don't know if that's uh, necessarily a, anything that's going to make LAFC fans happy or optimistic. Yeah, no, I'd say I, I would agree on that. Um, if anybody has any questions or, or want to ask me any questions, I'm going to open it up to you guys. Just request to, to speak and I'll open up to you guys because I think it's uh, very important to get uh, at least some of you guys' thoughts on, you know, or what you guys think of what you want to ask us because this is uh, year five in AFC. And there's just so many things that, that have happened last year. They went from being, hey, this team is expected to win the MLS Cup to, you know, their head coach left, or Eduardo Tussin left, Diego Rossi left, a lot of players weren't happy with the organization, and now you have, you know, in 2021, a month late of the process of the head coaching, and, you know, you know, you have a, you hire within house, um, but the optics at the moment don't look good, so you, if you guys want to ask any questions, uh, just go ahead and raise your hand on, on, on Twitter spaces, if not, it's totally fine, uh, but I just wanted to Try to give you guys an opportunity to at least uh, ask a few questions, but yeah, man, I think I think twenty twenty two is definitely big for LFC. Uh, it, it, there's going to be a lot going on with this team, and you know they they plan a big market. You know, with playing in a big market, I said this before. There's there's ton of expectations. Carlos Vela needs to play like a superstar, right? Chito is doing it, right? Brian Rodriguez has has flipped things around. But with that comes expectations. If you're if you're going to be a team in LA, man, you gotta you gotta play for some championships. You can't be missing uh, the playoffs. You can't be doing all these different things because, look, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of expectations, and, and I think it's fair for those fans to expect a lot of, a lot from their club and, and, and to voice their opinions. Whether fans are right or wrong, look, this is why they support their club, and I don't, I don't think any, anything that the fan, if you're a season ticket, if you watch your team day in, day out, you know, there's nothing wrong with criticism or anything like that, but I think you have to be, as a club, as a new club, how LAFC is, you have to be Ali's understanding why fans act the way they are. Like, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't know why some, some fans get so upset at other fans and all these other things. It, 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 to me, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. Look, I know everybody wants to win and everybody thinks they're right, but I think, you know, there, it, there has to be criticism okay. There has to be some type of criticism. I know some fans be getting wild with it, but some type of criticism is okay if you want your club to succeed. Um, but but with that said, I, I think when I when I look at LAFC in 2022, it's like as, as Steve Sharungo as, as a coach, I just don't know um, where they're going. Maybe we'll get more cl- more clarity on uh, um, this uh, this press call because we've never really heard Sharungo speak and stuff, and like you know how he's going to rally the guys behind us. But I I think I'm very very interested in that. Uh, JP just hopped on. JP, uh, if you have any questions or your thoughts, go ahead. Um, not really questions. Just it's just an underwhelming signing, I think, for the majority of the fan base. Um, 
it's just you wait what a month a month and a half for for this it's just very underwhelming he should have been appointed a week after bob left um and then it would have made a lot of sense or just would have been a safe safe pick um i think it's it's too safe i think we should you know jt should have gone big again um it you know filling in bob's shoes is not an easy task especially with Sherundolo, who doesn't have any senior team experience other than las vegas lights but half of the lights were you know just young prospects for lafc so um you know i think the majority of the fan base is just let down with 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 this um you know with being with being you know given Chirundolo as the coach um i'm not going to judge Chirundolo because you know i'm going to give him you know 10 weeks or 10 games to you know really assess where this is going maybe he's a diamond in the rough but um for all this waiting i think we should have had a higher higher profile coach um especially with the market la has you know with vela there regardless if he's there only 6 months or not you know, I think you could have brought in a more attractive coach, um, but that shows me. Look, uh, that's fair. I just think like a name with Carlos Vela, Chicho, uh, you know, um, obviously Brian Rodriguez and all that. I, I think it's very, it's it's a very marketable uh, sell. So it's it's not that hard. That's why that's why I'm also so so, uh, so confused that the you know the front office couldn't couldn't really get a, a bigger name. There's nothing hiring within house, but it, it just took too long and on all the optics that we we talked about it. And I think. Yeah, a, a bigger name with with these type of players uh, would would have made for a better president uh, for what's going on. Uh, G, uh, let us know your thoughts, bro. Former LAFC live is is here. How you doing, G Money? Hey, how's it going, Gio? Hey, everybody. Hope everyone's having a good start to the year. Uh, let's hope you know everything's a lot better this year as far as health and everything for everyone. So I just want to say that first off. Speak up a little louder because oh. we we can barely hear you. Speak up, just speak up a little. I know you're, you're you may be crying, but I need you to speak up. <laughs> can you hear me now? Well, I'll say yeah, I'll say Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, I just want to wish everybody a happy uh, 2022. Hopefully, everyone uh, has a good year. Uh, but as far as LEFC, what a gut punch! Very disappointing. Uh, I mean, why couldn't we just have announced this back in the season when we're struggling with like eight games without points or like without any wins? That was a time to experiment, for my in my opinion. But now we bring a novice uh, who has a poor record. I mean, what has he done to become the LEC manager? I just want to know that. I mean, he wasn't even an assistant in MLS. I, I don't get it. We could have went the Razoff route, which, I mean, would have been probably better, maybe. But um, I, and I, I just, honestly, this is so underwhelming. And I, I like how people say this is a trial run. Why would you give a trial run when we're trying to win MLS Cup? This isn't a project. Fair, that's, 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 that is literally the fair point and the same thing I was thinking. But go this ahead. isn't a project. We're not FC fucking Dallas. Oh, excuse my French. I, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but we're not FC Dallas. Where we just, you know, we don't. Too late. I know. <laughs> we don't compete. And I, I don't want to become that club where we just build uh, players and then sell them for big money, which apparently that's what we do at this club, which uh, I hate to break to everyone. We don't do that because these players are already – uh, coming from other clubs, and they're already developing as is. Uh, FC Dallas actually develops their academy players and sells it for big money. We do not. Um, so I, I don't understand what the project uh, – this shouldn't be a project. We're a championship team, or else we, we were. Um, I know some fans probably don't like the truth, but that is the truth. Uh, we were promised big things at this club, and Steve Sharundalo as manager is not a big thing at this club. Very disappointing and underwhelming. 
I think those are fair thoughts. Uh, you know, it is LA. And I think those are those are fair comments. Um, I do want to talk about about the selling. You brought it, you brought in a great point, G Money, about the selling. Uh what well, Pepe was sold for twenty million dollars is expected. Daryl DK, uh yeah, you correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but I think it was nine point five. And Rossi, I think it was six million guaranteed for sure, and then add-ons and stuff like that. And I thought there were there, there was conversations about like that pandemic and all these different things, so I chose it was difficult to sell players, but it's clearly not difficult to sell their top tier players that are top tier players in the MLS, right? Daryl DK, Pepe, you know, I think Buchanan ended up going somewhere as well, so I don't remember all, all these names. But when I look at that, everybody else in the MLS that has top tier talent was able to sell their players for a premium. You know, Daryl Rossi won Golden Boot winner, and they weren't able to get what I didn't expect a Ricardo Pepe type of money, but I expected at least something close to like 10 million for uh, Diego Rossi being Uruguay and everything he did. Uh, what are your thoughts about that when you see all these different uh, MLS transfers and, and the type of money all these MLS clubs got compared to LFC? I think it's, it's a direct reflection on LAFC and, and unfortunately on Bob Bradley and, and the moment that LAFC was in. You, you mentioned players like Tejan, right? Uh, the Revs are coming off of a historic year. Tejan is coming off of Great success with Canada, right? Ricardo Pepe, same thing. Dallas hadn't been doing anything in MLS, but he was scoring, coming off of great success with the U.S. and his national team. Daryl DK had his spell in England. He came back to Orlando, still, you know, had had a decent little run. And when you talk about Diego Rossi, right, Golden Boot in, in a shortened season, um, and then it really the year ends up being nothing at all, right? They end up they end up just one and done in the playoffs against Seattle, and then at the end of the day. They come in, all right, well, this is going to be a new season, right? No no more, well, not no more pandemic, but none of those, not any, a lot of those restrictions that were holding them back in 2020. And instead of seeing them improve a little bit, Diego Rossi in those first whatever games he was here was absolutely awful that it ended up to Bob benching him. So a lot of that has to do on, on what what they were doing, right, and and how that team looked. And once again, they were, they were going at it all gas the whole time, no breaks, as everybody likes to say, but... It wasn't. It wasn't doing anything for the players. It wasn't doing nothing for Diego Rossi. Clearly, didn't help his value. Same thing with Edward Atuesta. Same thing with a lot of these guys. And then you see people like Carlos Vela get injured again. You see Rossi's value drop. So I think that uh, G Money brings up a good point, and it's good to hear your voice again, my man. Um, he, they, they, they want to say that all right, they're building these players up, but Atuesta came from Colombia. Rossi came from Peñarol. Like these players are coming from places that sure they're not. They may not be known on this global scale, but they have already had this process and the system that they've been going through in foreign countries that the LAFC move is it's supposed to be that next stepping stone and obviously it has been right and I don't want to say that it hasn't been but maybe it's not panning out the way that per se they want it to be or that they see it being that way right and we could point back to to Brian Rodriguez going to Spain and then coming back and and that's and that's even more questioning because Rodriguez has actually been playing for Uruguay and Rodriguez has actually been playing well for Uruguay Rossi he doesn't even get called up and when he does, he doesn't play at all. So um, I think it, it speaks a lot to the system that was in place, uh, you know, to what Bob was doing. And, and obviously those results weren't, weren't there. And I think at the end of the day, you start seeing a lot of that that level drop for these players and, and that confidence drop. And, and that's what it leads to. Pepe was on one of the worst teams in MLS and, and never let up. I mean, he scored a hat trick. He was scoring hat tricks late in the season. He took over MLS All-Star Week. You know what I mean? Like he, he just never let up. And I think that right then and there, shows a lot of the difference in, in, in how 
these other teams have been able to sell players compared to what LAFC has been able to do. Yeah, you make up make up a, a great point, uh, Justin. I'll get to you right now. We're opening up to if people have questions about the head coach hiring or anything. Uh, definitely request if you guys want to get on. Um, but yeah, that 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 thing about like them being able to sell players. I also think like there's a big thing. Like I've always felt this, and I've always talked about this. When it comes to Brian Rodriguez, I'm glad he's doing well and everything. Um, and he's turned it around. I would say he's turned it around. We'll have to see what how he does this year. But I think he's going to continue with that. But like. LAFC paid $11.5 million for him. They haven't sold. Twice was $4 million. They're probably going to get, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think they're going to get six for sure guaranteed. And then the add-ons incentives uh, for Diego Rossi. So they haven't sold a player for, what, over $10 million, you know what I'm saying, to all these other clubs. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to sell a $20 million player like Ricardo Pepe, who was on a difficult, like, uh, uh, not good FC Dallas club. Right. And to be able to have those conversations because FC Dallas has produced so much of that pipeline to, you know, you have the Weston McKennies that went through the academy there. You have so many players that have gone through the FC Dallas Academy, has gone to Europe, has gone to Germany, has had success. But where can you when you look at when I look at LAFC, they don't have obviously the MLS pipeline. They have players, they have assets that they've bought from other countries. But they're not been able. They've been able to get a return on the investments, but it's not the top dollar that we're seeing SC Dallas grow within house. When there's not the type of town that we've seen, you know, Derek DK. I'm not too familiar from his story. I think well, he came from college and then he he went there. And LAFC is paying top top dollar. Has paid top dollar for Brian Rodriguez, right? To almost twelve million dollars. It's gonna be very hard to sell Brian Rodriguez for anything close to twelve million dollars. If you can't sell Diego Rossi for close to ten million dollars. Eduardo Twessa went for five, $4 million plus incentives. So I think when it comes to uh, a Brian Rodriguez, it's going to be very difficult to try to even potentially get your money back because uh, I, we're not, I, don't, I don't know if we know, but we don't know when Brian Rodriguez's contract is up with LAFC. So whenever that time may come, LAFC is going to have to sell him eventually. And in the market right now, Uruguay may not make the World Cup. Uh, I, I don't know. I, they're not looking good, right? So if... Let's say they don't make the World Cup. It's going to be harder to sell a player like Brian Rodriguez that's not playing in the summer of or in the winter, excuse me, of, of 2022 uh, for, for LAFC. That, like if Uruguay does not make the, the World Cup, the rest of the world is not going to see Brian Rodriguez. It, it doesn't even matter at that point if he's Uruguayan, if he's a promising talent. That's going to be the biggest blow. And obviously they have no control of that. But Common Bowl, South America, is so hard. You know, Andy knows, you know, uh, it's hard to make it to 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 the World Cup because you got to go against Brazil, Argentina, all these other clubs and everybody in South America is really good. So it's, it's a margin for error to try to get in is very slim. And this is a World Cup year. I really feel like this is such a big year for LAFC, uh, not just with the show under the hiring and everything like that, because. If it doesn't go well, I, it could really not go well for LAFC. And if it goes well, it could be really, really well for LAFC because, like I, what, I, what I mentioned, if Brian Rodriguez doesn't go to the World Cup, LAFC have a, def, a difficult year. It's going to be hard to to get that money back for Brian Rodriguez. If you, if you sell him for six, eight, you know, you, a lot of questions are going to be, be asked uh, about, you know, continue to be asked about the front office because th- there needs to be more of um, – more of at least attraction for Brian Rodriguez, right? He didn't have a great stint at Almeria, right, in the in the Spanish second division. Um, so what does the market really look like for, for Brian Rodriguez? He's not really killing it in MLS. We could say he's turned it around, 
but he's not had a, a Ricardo Pepe type year. He's not had a Diego Rossi type year. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he needs to have one of those years this year in order to be able to be sold on to potentially get 12 million or whatever or whatever they can. So I, I think it's it's a very difficult, and we also got to see how Brian Rodriguez does. We, we also got to keep in, keep keep seeing what he does because if they have a tough year, then you would assume Brian Rodriguez will have a tough year. You know, you would assume Carlos Vela will have a year. Tito has shown, regardless of what's going on, he can still have a great year, you know. So potentially they could get some money for Chicho and all that. But I think we have to pay attention to what's going on there and the transfers and how come LAFC is not really being able to sell some of these players. Justin, I know you had uh, some questions or, 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 or some thoughts. Yeah, well, I, I agree with what you're saying um, about, about JT selling these players because – I think it's the timing as well. I mean, if Atuesta were to be sold at the end of the 2019 season when he was, you know, MLS best 11 and all that, he would probably fetch somewhere higher to 8 to $10 million, right? If you sold Rossi after the 2020 Golden Boot, uh, he probably fetches $10-plus million. But once they have, once the team has a down year, the players have a down year, their value drops, it, it's all around like that. You compare it to somebody like uh, FC Dallas and Pepe, they have a pipeline that they've shown. I mean, Weston obviously is is succeeding. They have tons of players that have gone through their academy succeeding in Europe. And so when uh, teams there are looking to sign, they they see the history of the club and they see, okay, well, I, I know that these players have succeeded, which is why it's so important for Diego Rossi to succeed uh, at Federbache and, and, you know, go on to a, a bigger club. Uh, it's it's going to be important for Atuesta to succeed at Palmeiras because, if they can do that, it shows that LAFC can move on players and have them produce for their next club, uh, which is obviously major. Um, and on your other point about this being a major season for LAFC, I think you couldn't be more accurate because that is, I mean, whether you want to call it LAFC 2.0, whether you want to call it tweaks, rebuild, overhaul, whatever you want to call it, this is a new coach. This is the after a down year, you have your first few years, right? And you're so good. You show MLS, okay, we could be a top team. Then you fall off. Uh, the question is, are you going to continue to fall off? Or are you going to be that average MLS team? Or are you going to say, no matter who our coach is, no matter who our players are, this club is a winning club and we'll be competing at the top? That is the question that we're going to find out this year. Yeah, no, we, we, def we definitely are. And I think also with that, I said this before in the podcast, a lot of the questions and everything of what happened in 2021, we're going to get, I feel like we're going to get a lot of the answers in 2022, depending how the season goes. Look, we've already seen, we don't really need to get too much into it. We've already seen, you know, I don't, I don't, when I, when I say that Lorenzo resigned, I don't think Bob Bradley was the reason why he went there, but I know Bob Bradley was able to get the deal done as being as a sporting director. Look, and the reason why I say that is, look, LAFC has had showed interest with a lot of head coaches, but wasn't able to get the pen and paper. Bob Bradley was able to get the pen and paper uh, to sign one of the one. I think one of the biggest signings in MLS uh, history. Uh, I don't think it's 100 percent Bob Bradley, but I know he was there to help close the deal. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to close these deals. LAFC has had, you know, this past month's had us struggle to close the deal with the big name coach and end up going with, uh, you know, one of the, the backup option, the last option, whatever you want to call it, right, with Steve Sorondolo. And being able to be a closer in sports and stuff, it, that's where your decision-making, your ne negotiations, everything come into play. And I think uh, from L the LAFC standpoint, it's been, it's been underwhelming because it's such a big market. You know, it, there's so many things that, like, in Los Angeles, 
you don't really need to necessarily market Los Angeles because I think that's a given. But I think you also got to be able to market you know, even the players, Carlos Vela, Chicho, it's not that hard to market, but it's, I think it's more of the decision and knowing how to negotiate with South American clubs and all these things. Look, LAC has brought top town, but they've also brought top town because that, they have the big bucks to do it. But I think when, you, when, you, when you're trying to negotiate certain things, trying to sell players to Europe and have that connection there, and, you know, they're trying to get a big-name coach and they aren't able to do it, I think that, to me, uh, is, is very underwhelming. Uh, but I, what I like, I did say earlier, you got to give Steve Show a shot, whether it's a day, a week, a month, or whatever. Joe, I know you have uh, questions or, or some comments. Yeah, man, um, I'm very disappointed with the signing, man. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna try to be positive, like how some people are. Like I'll give him this guy a shot. No, man, this guy. If you look at his record in Las Vegas Lights, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, six wins, three draws. 26 losses at the bottom of his group table in the USL. That doesn't sound like a winning team to me. And to and to top it off, you had LAFC players getting loaned out over there. And then to top it off, his his player, I think, was Bryce Duke that he kind of like really built. And now we don't even have that talent because he's off to enter Miami. You know what I mean? And then it's just, it's just all bad optics, man. You could have just announced this guy as soon as Bob was gone. I know maybe they were trying to secure some other coaches, but to me, this feels like, you know, and I've been saying it all along over Twitter that this is like, you know, asking the ugly girl out for prom because, you know, all the girls have rejected you, man. You know, this is the last resort. And that's what it was. That's what it is. This is the last resort guy. And I don't know if, I don't know how long fans are going to like be willing to endure um this guy like failing the club and and for las vegas to having lafc winning man they better recalculate those um those stats man <laughs> and have us losing because i don't think we're gonna win nothing i gotta i gotta ask you though so what how much time are you gonna give surrender like you're gonna have to you're gonna watch the games i, I know that but how much time <laughs> are you willing even though you're not happy with the signing how much time are you willing to give uh surrender what was our largest um Lost streak. Um, we didn't get into that. Uh, just give me like a month. Give me two months. Give me just give me like a time frame. As a fan that supports the club, how much time are you willing to give Sean I'll give him. I'll give him enough. Like, I'll give him the same amount that everybody was asking Bob out. Like, what was it? Like six games, six uh, six game losing streak or something like that. Seven games. I think it was eight games. Eight games without any points. Yep, I'll give him that. If that. That is it. Before the the, kid, the fans start going rabbit, you know, and and then want that guy's head. <laughs> yeah, I think what I think if he doesn't succeed, I don't think he necessarily can blame Sharondalo. I think it's it's all in the front office. But but then but then but then once he's out, who are you gonna put in? Razov, and then and then if he's a failure too, then just scrap this whole damn year, man. Yeah, I don't, you know I, don't I, mean? think, I don't think they're going to scrap uh, Sharondo after they sign him. I think that the, the bigger question I have is how many years they're, they're signing him for, right? I think three, yeah, around three is the thing. But I don't I don't think they're going to, even if he has a terrible year, I don't think <clears throat> Sharondo is going anywhere. Uh, man, this is, a, this, is, this is a homie hookup, man. You know what I mean? Didn't <laughs> they, no, they, no, they no, play together? The homie hookup would have been right away, but he waited more than a month and a half. It was like, like you said. He probably, he probably, he probably just shot him a text like, hey, big dog, you know what I mean? Um. Let me let me just let me see what I can do a bit. If I can't get anything, I, I got you. I got you. You know, 
<laughs> let me let this me is a homie because I know Justin has a has a has a question. Um, Justin, what what do you have? What do you have to say? Yeah, well, I just wanted to challenge this idea that Trundle wasn't JT's first option. Um, I think he was, if not his first option, one of his top options. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk around Turco and Osorio, neither of which were ever an option. I mean, these were these were rumors put out in the media by their agents to get them better jobs. JT has never spoken with Turco about signing a contract. So I, I think that, and, and obviously, uh, Trendelou has a relationship with Bob. That's why he came to Lights, because JT's liked him since, since year one. JT has wanted him involved with LAFC. Uh, and whether it's the fans think that it's the number one pick or not, uh, definitely not, right? We all think there's there's better options out there, but this let JT me let me let me, let me just let me just let me just push back a little bit because I think this is this is an important point to make. If he was a top option, I don't think a tough uh, a top option, top three, whatever you want to put him, should take a month and a half. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand you want to you want to do that. I think the, the more so. I think what I'm what I'm understanding is the fans is the decision making how long it took because I don't think. They, LAFC, like I said this earlier, I didn't think LAFC really expected, or the front office didn't expect uh, Bob to leave. So even though if he was a top shot option, I don't think it should take a month and a half, maybe two well, weeks, maybe something like that. You know what I'm saying? Because I think if you know, I think when you, this is just me thinking out loud, if I know one guy's a guy, but I'm going to interview three or four guys or anything like that, let me interview these guys. But I know in the back of my mind, I just think a month and a half, uh, when everybody's hiring and you know bring all these other people, and on top of that, it's a World Cup year. It's a short year. You you need to sign players. You know, a lot of players were being signed without a head coach. I think that's what people are upset because the timeline, right? He's announced today they're going to start doing all these different things. Um, you know, I think that that's what you know is where is some of the concern. And I think if he was a top guy, and I, I, you know he might have been a, a definitely a top guy, but it just didn't appear that way. Uh, with, yeah. with the rest, it just didn't appear like that. Sharona was a, uh, was a top option, and how would he be as a top option? Because all we saw with the lights, if you look at his record, it's hard. It's, it's hard to realistically say, as a fan that doesn't that didn't see anything, or you know, as me who just you know every now and then would see some highlights and stuff. Um, I just I I personally didn't consider Sharona uh, a top option because. There was no, there was no, nothing that showed. Okay, he could be the guy. It was always the other big names, you know. Uh, I know uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, which Andy mentioned, where Mohamed Truco, which you say, which was interest or whatever that was. But you know, Jesse Marsh. I know, uh, I know there was some contact there, but like all those name, big names, I think made more sense, right? Even if they got to the what's a Ecuadorian uh, head coach that they reached out to and that didn't go through. Um, you know, those those are top guys because they've proven that they've been successful at the highest level. That's what I would consider a top guy, whether they have a winning record or nothing like that. Chironola has a lot of inexperience, and I think that's why, for me, he would not be considered a top guy. Look, he could come in and have a great year, but off the back, I just don't think Chironola, uh, maybe if LAC saw him, but it just did not appear that way. Yeah, well, I mean... I think he has experience, just not as a head coach, right? He's had many assistant coaching jobs. He's had youth manager jobs. Um, so he does have experience, just not at the top level in a managerial job. Uh, and I get what you're saying about a month and a half versus two weeks. I think that maybe he, he did look in the first two weeks. And this has 
maybe been decided for a couple weeks, just not announced because when you're making moves like to Dre Shawty Escobar, you're selling Duke. I, I mean, I'm sure Steve Sherundalu gave the green light to sell Duke because he was the guy who developed him, right? And so I think that player development at, on that point is the reason that Steve Sherundalu is getting uh, so much love from JT because he, he, he is shown to be able to develop players well, uh, whether it be Duke or Mamadou Fall or CC Uche or et cetera. Um, and so that's where he gets that uh, love from JT, in my opinion. And the reason that maybe it wasn't so quick and just handing him the job is, okay, we, we want this guy to be the job, or JT wanted him to be the guy, but say Jesse Marsh does come calling, as you say, well, then we give him the job, right? But he didn't. So that that's how I think about it. I, whether you consider – whether you want to look at that as, G, as Jesse Marsh being a, a – higher option okay but i just think of it as more unrealistic and so jt's sitting there saying okay well i know that i have steve shrundaloo i like steve shrundaloo if i get a, a call an unexpected call from a top manager then i can bring them in and i still have that option for the next you know month but if not then then i have uh steve shrundaloo and as far as the last las vegas lights record i read absolutely nothing into it because uh he didn't have a, a solid team the entire year. LAFC was continually taking his best players. Uh, so never really a consistent squad, not to mention that prior to him, Las Vegas won two games, not six. So technically he did improve them. Yeah, I, I think we, we're, we're, th- we're talking about theories, and I think you bring up a lot of great points. I just think um, with some of the experience, and I, th- and I would agree with you on the Las Vegas slides. He, LAFC, he didn't have a roster, didn't have a roster, but I think you could have just tried Toronto sooner and all those different things. And I, I think... Um, also, on just different things with 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 Steve Sharonel, it's just everything how it appears is the optics just don't look good. Look, Sharonel could could be a great 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 coach, but I think there's so much pressure where they didn't really need to be that much pressure on Sharonel right off the bat because you could have at least play, had him coach for four games or coach something to actually see what he can actually do with the first team squad, what he can actually do, all that thing. And I think to me, it's more of the decision making, not so much on Sharonel because look, Sharonel can be successful in all these things, but Player development is great, and you need that, and all these different things. But in the MLS and the first team and everything like that, player development is is almost at the end because you you you're the results driven. Unless you're FC Dallas, right? You're gonna be results driven, and get you know try to win the try to you know first qualify for playoffs and then try to win the MLS Cup. But I just think uh, with Toronto, there's there's a lot more pressure than than we really see. Uh, but uh, wait, look, I got to see how he actually, because I, I didn't even watch one single game of Las Vegas Lights. I was just too busy covering the L.A. teams. I really, I'm very interested. I want to see how he does with the, with the squad, how he does when the team's down one, two. That's going to tell me a lot of his substitutions, you know, his formation, what he does, where, where's Vela going to play, where, you know, where uh, we know where Chicho's going to be playing, how, how he develops Brian Rodriguez, who he brings up, brings in as, as a goalkeeper, who he has play the right back position and left back position, center backs. How does he? How does he view, um, you know, uh, Andy's boy? What's his name? The center back, Andy, your boy from Colombia. Forgetting. Relax, name. relax, your relax. Boy, <laughs> how, how, how is he going to do? Like, how is he? How is Sharondolo going to do when um, players aren't, aren't cutting it? You know, they're just not cutting it. How, how those decision making things? To me, I, I want to see that, and that 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 will, that will then I will be able to base my my opinion more on it. But I just don't have enough like data, and I don't have enough games to be like okay. You know, I just really think it's high risk, high reward. It really is. Um, but I do want to see how he coaches, how he manages, what he does when they're down one, two, 
does he drop a lead or how did, does he change formation right away when you know the the, the team makes the other team makes a sub those are a lot of things that i'm very interested in seeing what sharonda does because that's that comes where you can make a break and especially like he's not getting necessarily a squad that it that doesn't have any superstars or any different things he's getting a squad but he's also going to have to have to build in and i'm very interested to see what players he brings in uh andy your thoughts yeah yeah no, i agree on that and, and i think justin brings up a good point i think that throughout the search, and I mentioned it a little earlier on the, on the conversation, like obviously Sharundalo is, is Thornton's guy and maybe he did do his due justice and look at other people, but say, Hey, you know, like I got this in the tuck and, and I mentioned it earlier, like, I think it's a, it's a fair question to ask if one Sharundalo took that, that Vegas job, was this something that was a little bit premeditated? And we talk about was LAFC ready for Bob to walk or not, but either way, we, I mentioned it a lot last season, Bob was never getting fired. He could have lost, the rest, you know, the second half of the season, they still wouldn't have fired him out of respect. And I knew that wasn't going to happen. But at the end of the day, this is um, something that, like we said, it should have been in motion. It, and if it was in motion and it wasn't announced, then sure, that's fine if he's greenlighting the Tajari Girardi move and, and Duke and whatnot. But when you look at it, right, this is this is the dynamics of it. This is what happens, right? You The, the fan base wanted Bob out. It's it's no surprise that his, his, his ideas got tired. It's no surprise that things weren't going well. And... Like I said it last, uh, in the last conversation, whoever was announced, either whether it was today, yesterday, last week, whoever was announced, LAC fans were probably not even going to be happy about it because I don't even think it's so much about the coach right now. And and sure, I think the coach is that first big domino to fall. I think Vela, obviously, that that extension or whatever, the exercise and the option was a big question mark in the as soon as the season ended. But I think the coach, once the coach domino falls, which was today, now is when you're really going to start to see what the team's going to be about because they're still obviously missing pieces that need to be filled quickly. And people are talking about, oh, you know, it's a puzzle and this and that. But to me, if you want to keep it that analogy, it's they might have a lot of repeat pieces in this puzzle. And I think that's the issue there because there's there's pieces that may need to be plugged, but they just might not fit, right? So I think that all in all, sure, Sharundalo, if it was Raza, if it was Osorio, if it was whoever the hell it was, I think that, that that just needed to get out of the way for this to move forward because we're I think we're kind of, you know, it's 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 today, it's new, and then Wednesday's gonna happen. He's gonna be introduced, he'll say whatever he says. I don't think it'll be anything revealing, as we know, as history serves us. But at the end of the day, it's like what like we gotta see this product, like Gio say, we gotta see what this team looks like. We gotta see, you know, I think we haven't mentioned this yet, but from um from his experience as a as a player, we would wanna assume that defensively LAFC is gonna gain a lot having his knowledge, having his experience as a, you know, a, a, a defensive standout for the U.S. men's national team. So in that aspect, sure, that's great. Whether or not that's going to be the case, who knows? Like you said, we have, there's a, there's a back line that's a little unstable and there's players that we don't know who's going to be the center back pairing. Do we know if Eddie Segura is going to be ready for the season start? There's still all these questions. This, this coaching piece is just that one little cool scratch it off the list and let's keep it moving. So um, like I said earlier, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that it's sure damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't think it's the best hire. I don't think it's the worst. But I think now we're finally just able to be like, all right, cool. Now let's really talk about the soccer. Now let's really talk about what this project is going to look like because we already knew what the last four years were under Bob Bradley, and we already kind of knew how things were going to play out and and what we we're going to get from the team and you know how they were going to their playing style was going to be. Now now it's a now it's a new day. Now as much as Don Thornton can say these are minor tweaks, these are little things like that, this is this is a big deal. This is not the same LAFC. And now we're gonna really see what what you know what what the future looks like, not only just for this season, but for the years beyond. 
Yeah, no, I, I would agree. You made made a lot of great great points uh, on that, and yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting, man. I, I definitely I definitely do, and I think we, this this conversation had to be had because, like, then that's what I mean. You know, you could you could announce whether the coaching uh, and uh, announcing was uh, you could have done it before the holidays and everything start the new year ahead, but I never see the waited until twenty two and twenty two to make the announcement. And, you know, that just tells me, to me, I really think it was they're waiting to see if they could get someone else, but not, nah, it didn't work. It didn't work out. And it really comes across that, you know, showing that it was a, it was a backup plan. Um, but with that, I, I'm i still curious. I want to see how he coaches. I want to see what he does as a manager, you know, his first time being a manager. I want, I'm very curious. I want to see how he does. I want to see how he manages tough situations. I want to see, he appears to be a player coach. Uh, we always see no Bob Riley was my way or the highway type of guy. And I think it's going to be refreshing for the, for the players to, to get a player uh, to get a head coach like Sharondo that, that appears to be more 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 of a player coach more than, than Bob Riley. so I'm very curious to see what that happens looking forward to the press call on Wednesday see how much we, uh, we get out of that um you know and now we can talk about the rest the, the rest of the football like you said Andy we could talk about the rest of the moving pieces what Sharondolo in the front office is going to bring in uh, in order to to build a successful club, you know, and what does what does success look for like LAFC this season, right? Is it making the MLS playoffs? Is it making a deep run to the MLS Cup? Um, you know, I think you know coming out saying you want to win the MLS Cup. I, I'm not sure if he'll say that, but I think that's very uh, aggressive thing to say, and I, it just doesn't look like that right now in January 2022. But look, anything can happen. Um, you know, they they could potentially be uh, like an RSL. You know, that gets in the squeak spot to get in, and you know makes uh, make some noise in the in the playoffs. But I think at the end of the day, if you're a team that plays in Los Angeles, you're a team that plays in LA. No matter who's the coach, no matter who your superstars, there comes expectation. And I think it's fair to put expectation on Sharondolo. It's damn sure it's, uh, but put expectations uh, on the front office and how they they've gone about about it their way. Because this is this is where it's at. This is how that this is how it should be, and it, it should not be easy. And when you win, and they, if they have a successful season, they should get all the praise. Uh, JT should get all the praise. But if they don't, the, the I feel like the criticism should be fair. Um, I think we're gonna end it here. I, we we went over nine minutes, but look, guys, I want to wish you guys some happy holidays. Hope you guys had a great time with the family. I hope you guys had a great time for Christmas, New Year's, and all that. I want to thank Andy for being a great co-host hopping in today and talking about this. Justin, thank you for hopping on G money. Uh, you know, LA former LAC Lloyd hopping on JP Joe three, two, three and everybody that tuned in. So, uh, I'm definitely, if you guys any hopped in a little bit late, I'm going to upload the podcast so you guys can listen to it. So yeah, hope you guys have a, a great rest of the week and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye everybody.